This is episode 77. Let's begin. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hey, everybody. I hope everybody's doing great. I'm super excited to be here, and we're going to be talking about effective praise. So I'm here with Eric Bjorklund. He's the chief executive officer of the Utah Youth Village. And the Utah Youth Village, as you know, sponsors Smarter Parenting. And here is the most amazing fact is that Eric actually is the creator of Smarter Parenting. Eric, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. That's a treat. <laughs> so I, I want to know more about this idea of bringing these skills online. My idea was that we would take the teaching family model to the world. Okay. And the teaching family model is such a wonderful um, repository of information and skills on how to help kids succeed and blossom and thrive. Mm -hmm. And running an agency that helps take care of some of the kids with the most troubles in the state. You know, we have kids who come to us in group homes and treatment foster homes. Utah Youth Village has changed the lives of thousands of children Mm -hmm. using the teaching family model. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to share this with parents of the whole world? And I also had an experience using the teaching family model in my own home. As a matter of fact, I've used it a lot. And in that setting, um, I thought to myself, well, if I was able to learn it as a dad, because I'm a lawyer by trade, you know, I mean, I'm not a social worker and I'm not really skilled and all that stuff. If if you can make a lawyer be a better dad, Mm -hmm. well, heck, you could make almost anybody be a better dad, right? (laughs) And... And so the idea was, let's share this with the world. Let's share this with parents, and, l- and let's see what happens. I mean, you had over $20 million of research sponsored by the National Institute of Mental Health to the University of Kansas back in the late 1960s right. that created the teaching family model. And it's been uh, you know, tweaked and, and worked on ever since and improved. And it's, it's just a wonderful roadmap to parenting. So tell me, how many children do you have? I've got five. Five children, okay. And uh, how old were they when you started implementing these skills? Okay, my oldest was uh, 11. Okay. And my second son was eight, ADHD. Okay. Um, then my other kids kind of go down from there. My daughter would have been six to seven-ish. My other son would have been around two. And then our tail, the, the, the youngest, wasn't here yet. Oh, okay. So, you know. So you were a young father. I was a young father. Young children. Yep. Behavioral issues, and you were learning. I was, yeah, so anxious <laughs> to figure this out. And I was in pain. Okay. Yeah. So tell me and about I, that. I was in pain because our second son would not sit still ever. He was constantly in motion. He was always moving. And he was loud. Mm -hmm. And he was screaming. And he was teasing his little sister. And he was in trouble. I mean, you know, when we would sit in our front room as a family and try and have some sort of, let's get together and talk and have some sort of time together. uh, I remember one time actually counting him doing somersaults in the chair he was in, (laughs) around 40 somersaults. 
in the 15 minutes that we were sitting in there because he couldn't sit still. He couldn't sit still. It was just impossible for him. He couldn't focus. He was just like, woo, 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 woo. And I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, since then, and I would go to the training of the teaching family model here at Utah Youth Village uh-huh. that we would do for new family teachers. That's our word for house parents in a group home. Okay. So it was like, wow, this is great. But before that, when I was a lawyer, I would go to the library and I'd pick up any book I could on parenting. Mm-hmm. And there weren't very many parenting resources around. And what there was was pretty, um, you will do this and you will punish them and they will learn because you will punish them, you know, that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what the teaching family model teaches us is all of us as parents need to learn ways of nurturing our children. Right. And helping them learn the skills that help them succeed and thrive. Yeah. And then find them doing those things well and nurturing them. That's one half of what we need to do as parents to help our kids. The other half of what we need to do as parents is to hold them accountable Mm -hmm. for their behaviors and help them learn that there are boundaries in life. Right. And to the extent we can help them learn that in a way that doesn't hurt our relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And they can learn that when they're young. Wow, what a blessing. Because if they never learn that, the world will teach that to them brutally. Yeah. I mean, the, if they don't learn that there are boundaries and that, you, you know, then what, what happens in their marriages? What happens in their jobs? What happens in school? Those things aren't pretty. Right. And so as a parent, we kind of have both of those kind of things that we need to be emphasizing, nurturing, and then how to hold accountable in a way where you preserve your relationship. Right. You know, where, where they don't hate you. Right, right, right. <laughs> where they still like you. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us as parents are natural discipliners, mm-hmm. and some of us are natural kind of praisers and reinforcers. Right. And some of us don't do much of either. Right. And some of us do both. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't a bother. Okay, well, so which one were you? you I, were, was, I, was, I was a disciplinarian. Yeah. yeah. And I knew how to do that, or at least I thought I did. At least that's what I was reading that I should be doing. Right. Okay? And then I got into the Teaching Family Waddle, and I went to the pre-service workshop, and I was like, well, this makes some sense, but I'm still not sure about it. But I was so frustrated with this son that I finally went in to Tom and said, Tom, help me fix this boy. He's a bad boy. He's, he's really a bad boy. He's just like, rawr. I don't know what to do. This is before I worked for the village. This was, you know, when he was even younger. Mm-hmm. And I was still just in my full-time law practice. I remember commuting home, trying to figure out ways I could punish him where he would really get it. You know, that punishment would be so, it'd be so bad that he won't ever do that again. Right. He'll stop running around and he'll be quiet. And, and you know, and then he'll be and then he'll do, yeah, he'll to do his, what to his to his little do. sister, right. you know, and uh, and he won't yell so much. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! <laughs> so I was deep into the notion that I could punish him into being a good boy. And even as you hear me say that sentence, yeah. think about that. That is just so ridiculous. It's awful. <laughs> you know, I will teach you to be a good kid by punishing you and consequating you so many negative times that you'll figure out how to be good by me teaching you how bad you are. Right. Oh, as I say that, it just hurts. But I believed it. You know, back then I thought I will be a good parent by pointing out to him all the things he's doing wrong. 
That's where I was, deep into that focus, when I went into Tom White. Okay. Tom listened to me talk. He said, well, what, what's the problem with your son? Well, he won't stop. And he just keep, and he yells, and he's loud. And he just, he's always in motion. Now, he's now 40 years old, okay. and he's still in motion. He's still in motion? Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he rarely sits still. Okay. He's almost always doing something right. until he hits the pillow at night, and he's out. Let's get back to that then. Um, Tom listened, and then Tom said, well, okay, to begin with, here's what I want you to do. I want you to praise him four times as many times as you are negative with him. Mm. So I want you to think about your interactions with him and figure out how many negative interactions you have where you're saying, don't do this or stop, or you just earned time out for 10 years or all the things I was into back then. Right. Figure out that, and then you've got to praise him four times that much. Wow. Okay. And I was like, Tom, are you listening? You know, I'm fine. I'm a functional dad. I have a doctorate degree. I graduated towards the top of my class. (laughs) I mean, it's him. He's the kid. He's the one messed up. He listened patiently, and then he said, well, I still want you to do this. Go home and do it. Four times as many praises as negative. And I thought, okay. And I remember walking out of the office saying, crap, I just hired this national expert. You know, I had announcements in the newspaper and even on one of the TV stations about what a big deal this was for Utah Youth Village to get this national expert to come here. Right. And now he's told me what I need to do. Yeah. Based on the teaching family model. This sucks. <laughs> you, you did not like it. I did not like did it. Did you believe him, though? Well, I thought, okay, I'll try it. Okay. So I went home and I tried for two days. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Tom. I said, Tom, this is ridiculous. He does not deserve any praise. He is a bad boy. Mm-hmm. And, and this feels phony. When I'm praising him, it just feels phony. It's like I'm making it up almost. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't deserve any praise. And Tom sat and listened. He was very patient. And I was going on and on about, you know, he's just a bad boy. Why, why do I want to praise him? Because he just doesn't deserve any praise. And I truly felt that way. And I couldn't understand that you could praise someone when they also needed discipline of some sort. That didn't make sense to me back then. It was either you were perfect and you got praise. Yeah. And he had the uh, unfortunate role of following his older brother who was perfect. Oh, okay. Okay, so he got praise because he did everything right. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, when Tom and I were talking, Tom finally leaned back and he said, Eric, how good are you at praising people? And I remember being quiet for a while and kind of dropping my eyes down a ways and feeling awful in my gut. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, he just nailed me. I'm not that good. Mm -hmm. And he didn't mean to be critical, but he, it cut me to the core. It was like, I'm not that good at praising. Hmm. And he said, L- let's practice this. Yeah. So guess what we did? We role played. We role played. We role played. Yes. And guess how comfortable with that I was? You know, I'm the CEO. And here's this guy <laughs> I just hired. And he's playing like he's my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's showing me how to praise. And then I'm practicing praising him. We role played a little bit. And then he said... Okay, Eric, you've got to do this. 
Not only do you have to do this, you have to report back to me every day. That's fantastic. So I want you to come back to me with your ratio of positive to negatives. Okay. And I was like, crap, what have I got myself into? So I went home resolved I was going to praise. Okay. And he pointed out, he said, it might feel like you need a microscope to find something. It's okay to say, Spencer, you didn't scream. In the last 15 seconds. That is great. Way to go. And then he also talked to me about make sure as you're talking to him, you're talking to him about what you want him to do instead of what you don't want him to do. Right. Because telling someone what you don't don't want want them to do doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to figure that out. But the the focus here was finding what he was doing right and praising it Mm -hmm. and then telling him what you want him to do. So I went home and started doing it. And each day it got a little easier. And there were times when I'd take a pen, I would be making marks on the palm of my hand yeah. as a way Just to, to remember track, of yeah. my ratio. That's you know? great. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, because um, I had to go back and report to this national expert I'd just hired. Right. <laughs> you know, I had to keep some credibility like, uh, you know, well, yeah, I believe in the teaching family model. Wink, wink. <laughs> you know, and so... It was very interesting. After a week, it was much easier. And then after two weeks, it was way easier. And then I was stunned that after doing this for three weeks, I thought this kid was great. Oh. Uh, Almost everything that had irritated me about him, I now loved in him. I loved how energetic he was. I loved how fun he was. I loved his voice. Mm-hmm. I loved the way he had energy. I loved how kind he could be. I started seeing in things in him that I hadn't seen before. Mm. I loved how sensitive he was to others. I hadn't realized that. All I had focused on is him teasing his sister and being loud and screaming. And now I was loving that he was so full of energy and so fun. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. Yeah. Now, let's go back. Before I started this, my relationship with him was such that he wouldn't let me hug him. He didn't want any touch from me at all. He loved me, but he did not like me. And I believe there are probably some parents in the sound of my voice who know that they have children in the same place. Yeah. The child loves them as a parent but doesn't like them. Yeah. And to be frank, I loved him as a parent, but I didn't like him. Mm-hmm. He was awful. What was so interesting to me is that after three weeks, I loved him and I liked him. Mm-hmm. Both. Um, from this process of learning what the teaching family model teaches, which is you have to praise... You have to have at least four times as many positive interactions as you have negative interactions. You just absolutely have to for the sake of your relationship. Yeah. And our relationship had changed completely. In three weeks, I loved him. I hugged him. He hugged me back. It was that dramatic of a shift. As a matter of fact, I remember being in our kitchen and living room area. Our living room's right next to our kitchen. And our oldest son was doing his homework at the table. And my wife was over by the sink, and Spencer walked by our oldest son, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, Russ, 
you're so good at doing homework. I love the way you did homework. Wow, so he picked it up. Boom, there was a praise statement right there. He found something Russ was doing right and just praised him and said it out loud. And I remember looking at my wife and she looking at me with both like, ah, ah. You know, it's it was, a miracle. It was like the clouds parted and the angels started yes, singing kind absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. What was so interesting about this is I feared praising at first because I feared that Spencer and his older brother Russ and my wife would be going, what are you up to? What are you doing? You know, are you just manipulating us with these positive statements? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they're going to see through this. They're just going to think I'm doing some parenting thing. Right. You know, and that wasn't true at all. They absolutely loved it. Yeah. They just loved it. My wife could not have been happier. It was like she had a new husband. And all of a sudden, I was positive. And I was way more positive with everybody. Now, am I always positive? No. And do I get grumpy? Yes. And can I be, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect. by, But, but I will t- tell you that had I stayed on that same track with that particular boy, I would guess he would be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Now, he might be in prison, he might be dead, he might be into drugs. I don't know. I, I mean, I could see me driving him away yeah. and having no relationship with him. At eight years old, you still have some control, yeah. you know. But by the time these kids are getting to 12 or 13, you're out of the control business and you're now in the influence business. Absolutely. And if you haven't managed to create a good relationship you need to figure out how to get into the influence business. Right. Otherwise, the more you become a punishing disciplinary parent only, the more you lose all influence. Yes. You know, and, and, and then you start driving in other directions. Mm-hmm. And so grateful. I mean, I am so grateful that Tom challenged me the way he did, that he said the things he did when he did. Mm-hmm. That caused me to decide, you know, I'll give this a shot. I'll try it. Even when I thought it was phony, even when I thought this is stupid, especially in that first week, I just toughed through it. I just toughed through it. And I kept saying, you know, they're going to think I'm up to something. (laughs) They're they're going to, you know. They're going to say, like, what are you doing? doing? Who are you? Who are you? What's this manipulating? And it took me a while to realize, hey, they're loving this. Yeah. So the same kid, mm-hmm. he stays active and he goes up and does really well in life. You know, he's got two master's degrees now. Wow. He's incredibly successful in his business. He's now 40 with four children of his own, an incredibly good father and amazingly positive. Wonderful. And he doesn't even remember anything about this. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's so cool. <laughs> when I talk with him about this, do you remember when I changed? He doesn't remember any of it. At eight years old? Yeah. No. He thinks I've always been positive and a loving, good dad, and he's always liked me. Right. Which wasn't true. There was a time when he didn't like me. Okay. And, and I want to talk about that concept of, of like a little bit, because when I think about loving someone, especially someone who is difficult to, to love, love, yeah, I translate that into like. Mm. And I think to myself, there are people in the world who are difficult to like, and if you've got a child with ADHD, yeah. Often they're difficult to love, at least at certain points in their life. And what I found was the only way you can maintain a good relationship with them is to learn 
to love them, which means you have to learn to like them. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can learn to like them is to find what's good in them and do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And you've got to do it over and over and over and over. And when you do, you will like them. They will feel it. Mm-hmm. You will have relationship and you will have influence. They will want to please you. And, uh, and the teaching family model, as much as anything, teaches parents how to act so that they will have a good relationship with their children, sweet enough, good enough, reinforcing enough to the child that the child will modify their behaviors to maintain, to maintain that relationship. Absolutely. And they will do it in such a way that if you use the whole teaching family model, they will become superlative members of society in spite of their issues. Mm -hmm. And by that I mean, um, I don't think the teaching family model cures depression or cures anxiety or eating disorders or ADHD. What I think it does is it teaches people to learn to function in the world in spite of those issues. Yes. And how how to work and successfully thrive in life, in spite of those issues. And what parent of an ADHD child doesn't worry about? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to this kid? Where are they going to go? And, you know, if you can raise them using this teaching family model format, they will thrive. Mm-hmm. They will do great in spite of whatever issue they've got. I think that's the marvelous thing about this, the whole teaching family models. You, you help children thrive. Mm-hmm. and grow up, and it gives you a roadmap as a parent of, well, what do I do? How do I keep my relationship? How can I keep influence? How can we make it so that it's worth it for the kid to want to change whatever's going on in their life for the relationship? Right. The other thing that, that is so important is that it not only is important in the family, the, the skills that the teaching family model teaches, But those same skills are huge in the workplace. Mm -hmm. The primary skill that we teach all of our kids in the teaching family model is the skill of following instructions. Right. You know, the skill of eye contact or getting attention, what's appropriate in their culture. Yeah. And the second thing is saying okay pleasantly. And the third thing, doing the task. And the fourth thing, come back and report. report, You know, that's, I'm done, you know. And doing that kind of thing and teaching that skill is not only huge in terms of getting along in a family. As a matter of fact, if you look at families that are really, really functional, they largely follow instructions Yes. between each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a skirmish here and there, but by and large, everybody follows instructions. And the instructions aren't just from the parents to the kids. They're from the kids back to the parents. Right. They're between the parents. You know, get this, or when you come back from work, do that and do that. The instructions go back and forth in a family, mm-hmm. hundreds of instructions a day. Mm-hmm. And the families who learn how to give those reasonably and how to implement them reasonably and follow them, you know, receive them, right. those families are pretty functional. Yeah. And you, families who can't do that, Mm, those are families the where there's struggle, power struggle. Plus, oh yeah, just yeah, yeah, like and, fighting, and, and, and and those parents are in pain. Yeah, because their kids aren't aren't buying into whatever. Right. What's cool is the teaching family model gives the parent a path out of pain. Mm-hmm. It gives that parent a path to feeling like there is hope. Yes. Like things are going to work out. Like my child may love me. Mm-hmm. 
And even as an adult, they may love me. And I'll be able to still hold them accountable. And they'll not hate me for it. Yeah. You know, all of those kind of components are, are built into the teaching family model in a wonderful way. That's wonderful. Anyway, and I will tell you one further thing, which is following instructions, super important in every work. Um, we had um, the president of the largest um, uh, medical organization in the Intermountain West mm-hmm. visit one of our group homes 10, 12 years ago. And he was talking to the boys there in the group homes. And what's a group home? It's a, it's a place where the state takes custody away from parents of a group of boys who are so dysfunctional that they won't function in foster care. Mm-hmm that they'll blow out of one foster home after another. So they move into a group home where there's a lot more structure. Mm -hmm. Teaching family model group homes have live-in parents, house parents, who we call family teachers, like I mentioned before. And so you had eight boys sitting there listening to this CEO of a $6 billion company. And I asked him, I said, tell me what's the most important skill that you expect from your vice presidents? And he said, well... I need them to do what I ask them to do and report back to me on it. That's probably the most important skill. And I remember smiling this like ear-to-ear big smile and going, (laughs) boys, what's that skill called? Um, The boys said, that's following instructions. Instructions, What are the four steps of following instructions? Well, eye contact, say, okay, do the task, report back, you know. And then I said, does that sound like what you were talking about, Bill? His name's Bill. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) And my vice presidents can hear what needs to happen Mm -hmm. and then pleasantly go do it and not argue a lot about it and, you know, and then get it done and then come back. Tell me where they're at on this. What are they doing? What's going on? I mean, following instructions is, you know, this isn't a a skill designed to make someone a robotron. Right. You know, I will follow instructions. It's it's really a skill that is important everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. In every place where humans work together, it's a basic skill. Now, there's the other skill of disagreeing appropriately. Right, Sometimes right. you don't want to follow instructions. Right. And you'll get to that skill yes. sometime in teaching our folks. But um, <laughs> that's kind of my story. I can hear in my mind people who will have questions about your story. So in your implementation of Effective Praise with your son, he continued to do the 48 cartwheels or somersaults in the chair did it address the behavior, or did your effective praise address those behavioral issues? Yes. Okay. And it addressed the behavioral issues because I caught him when he was sitting still. Okay, great. So he would, he, when he was eating, he was sitting still. Yeah. I'd say, wow, Spencer, look how still you are. Okay. This is so great. You're so still, and you're quiet. And he, he turned to me with a mouthful. But I mean... I caught him sitting, and so I had to figure out what I wanted him to do. Yes. Okay, I want you, first off, to be still right. when it's appropriate to be still. I, mean, I need you to be quiet when it's appropriate to be quiet. Right. I need you to be nice to your sister. Right. And so I, I would even prompt him on what being nice to his sister looked like, mm-hmm. and then I would catch him doing it. Okay. You know, and we kind of role played that a little bit. Right. And then when he would do it, I would catch him doing it and tell him, "Great job!" And there weren't a lot of big rewards. Most of it was me just catching him and saying, "Good job," and then hugging him. I mean, he's eight years old. Right. And he liked to be tickled, and he liked to wrestle, and so when he did things that were good, 
we tickled, we wrestled. Yes. You know, I think he was really enjoying the fact that I was all of a sudden this dad who was more playful mm-hmm. and positive with him. Right. As opposed to the, you will do what I say, do what I say when I say I it. Will, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Right. No, that's fantastic. So, yes. It affected the behaviors because I caught him doing things right. And at first, I actually did praise him for being quiet for 15 seconds when he was quiet. So even 15 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, it was just, praise it, was, it was, I kind of had to make things up almost. That's how it felt. <laughs> but then I started realizing, no, you just need to be better at finding what he does right. Because he's doing tons of things right. Right. No kid, no matter how bad they are, is only doing bad things. I agree. And I did not believe that. <laughs> but from this experience, I started going wait a minute every kid is doing things right you just need to find them right and then you need to open your mouth that was the second really hard thing for me is, is actually like praising saying him it. saying because there was this pride inside okay like if if i praise him for this i'm kind of admitting he's not all bad mm. i'm confident there are parents out there who as i'm saying this are going yeah that's right <laughs> i i can't praise him because if i praise him He'll think he can get away with murder. Right. He'll think he can go do everything. That's what I feared. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the only way I can hold him check is to punish him, you know. And focus on those negative On behaviors. the negative consequences. This was so liberating because I realized, whoa. There's another way. Yeah. Now, there are times he needs a consequence, and, and the teaching family model taught me how to do that. Right. The other thing I really liked is when I gave consequences, my veins weren't bulging out anymore. Yeah, you weren't stressed out. Yeah, and and consequences didn't involve me having to become the bad consequence. Right. Before this, when I was punishing him, I was getting angry and emotional. So I was thinking of punishments, but I was also totally changing my internal emotions into anger and rage. And then he was seeing my veins pop out. And this was such a huge aha moment to realize, well, I can give him consequences without also punishing myself right. by having to go into anger. Right. Because anger isn't something I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And almost inevitably, when I went into the anger punishment mode, 10 minutes later, I felt awful. Mm-hmm. I felt like, man, you're such a jerk. You're such an awful parent. Why are you so angry? Why are you this? This was so wonderful to shift out of that. Yeah. And the teaching family model gave me a way of becoming a parent who could hold him accountable without me being the consequence. Right. And also praise him and guide him towards what I wanted. And and fairly soon I started to realize that the consequences that I was giving, the negative consequences, were almost always a springboard towards teaching. The punishment really doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm. The, the, the punishment is, is missing the boat. Yeah. That if you can do negative consequences effectively, mm-hmm. that can help check the child's behavior. Right. But it won't really change it. It won't change it. What changes is teaching and then positive rewards and positive praise and reinforcing that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the one. It's like the one-two punch is the teach Find them doing what you've taught them to do, even if it's a small part of it. That's the other thing that Tom taught me. You don't have to praise him only when he does everything right. Yeah. And if initially I thought, I can't praise him until he becomes his brother. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't say that consciously in my mind. Right, right. But but later on, I thought that was my attitude. Yeah. Like I can't praise this kid until he's actually kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, which is such a joke. Who's perfect at eight years old? Yeah, nobody. Then Tom was teaching me no approximations. If he's just starting to sort of do it, praise it. Yeah. And then teach mm-hmm. instead of thinking, oh, you didn't get that perfect. Consequence, you're grounded. You know, you're this, you're that, whatever. Yeah. I'm taking this away. Um, it, that totally changed my attitude, and it completely changed his behavior. Oh, good. So it wasn't just that my attitude changed right. that made him, three weeks later, a better kid. Right. But it, actually, in three weeks, he was much less noisy, I think. Well, and even if he was as noisy, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of these. It things was kind where, of like you were both benefiting well, from it, this, and it's one of those things where it was all his fault, right. and yet when I changed, things got better. Okay, you know how in life that really sucks. Absolutely, where this is all their fault. I know it is, mm-hmm. and then if I make a change, an internal change, all of a sudden things get a lot better, and so I think he was not as noisy. He definitely was much kinder to his sister. Ah. I mean, that really did shift. That's great. That, that was really good. That is great. Yeah, and he started to look after her more oh. as a protector. How wonderful. It, in some ways, it, it gave him a different place in the family yeah. than what he was feeling before, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But, you know, knowing what's really going on in someone's mind, I don't think any of us are any good at that. I know that a lot of times I don't know what's going on in my mind, and I have total access, you know. So... And he, and he wouldn't remember, because he doesn't even remember me making this big change, which was so dramatic. For right. Me. Um, my wife, though, she was super happy. Okay. That she got a new husband. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a big deal. So in the practicing of praise, you did it, started with your son, but then you just branched out to everybody. Y- yes. And then pretty soon your son picked it up and he started doing it. He is good at it. He's, He's really, really good, good at, at it. it. Oh, that's well, great. The person in our family who may be the best is my oldest son. Okay. Because he was observing this process. Okay. okay. And was, he picked it up. He picked it up big time. And children pick up what parents do. Yep. And they replicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the most efficient replication process mm-hmm. we have is kids growing up with parents. Right, <laughs> right. And how many of us as kids interacting with parents have gone, crap, that was my dad talking. Mm-hmm. When we were saying something to our parents, that was my mom. What am I, am I becoming my mom, my dad? Well, yeah, you are. We all are right. to some extent. We replicate. And it's so interesting when we do something like the teaching family model, it has a cascading effect. One child is the focus, but it benefits all of the other. Kids. Right. So it's one of those things I've mentioned in previous podcasts that you change even a small fraction of the system the whole system changes. Huge. And so if you're able to make those changes, everything changes. That's right. Yeah. Let me point out, before I made this change, yeah. the older son and I were a tag team on criticizing this boy. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was picking up from me mm-hmm. that that's a responsible thing to do is to be critical. But he, he, just but he was like, if that's what dad does, then that's what should be happening. Mm-hmm. And then when I made this shift... He shifted dramatically. Wow. And he became incredibly positive. I'll tell you, even now, he's 43. Yeah. And there are times when we as a family will be together, and maybe I'll start talking negatively about someone mm-hmm. um, in some context, thinking this is funny. And Russell just chime up and say, 
you know, maybe we don't need to talk that way about them. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> okay. oh, geez, okay, you're right. That's great. You know, so, I mean, yeah, there is this absolute cascading effect where the other kids pick up on it. That's wonderful. And I think all of my kids are really good parents. Yeah. And that mostly has to do with their mother, who is naturally good at this. Yeah. And, and I think, in taking some credit, gratefully I turned around and at least didn't alienate half of them. So I love them. They love me. I like all of them. They all like me yeah. most of the time. Good. Yeah. So in the long term, relationships are still strong. Wonderful. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. And not only do we love each other, we like each other. Yeah. Well, I, I notice you all do activities together, like, yeah. all the time. And yes. you're involved in each other's lives. Yes. So, I mean, it's kind of amazing to see families do this, you know, in the long term. Like, years later, there's still this really strong bond. So, that's great. And I think all parents are looking for that. They all want strong relationships. There are so many good nuggets in this podcast. This is one that I definitely am going to go back and listen to multiple times. And I recommend that to those who are watching and listening to this podcast. Go back and listen. We've covered a lot of things, the teaching family model. We've talked about nurture and this idea of holding children accountable, how they work together. Very powerful. And actually, I've never expressed it that way, but that's exactly what it does. It teaches children how to be accountable but it also nurtures a relationship. And you can approach issues with those two things in mind yeah. and not damage relationships. That's super important. Yeah. The other part is just learning to adjust and be uncomfortable using these skills. Yes. It is okay, yes. very natural yes. to be uncomfortable. For any parent that's listening to us, Yes. remember me going in two days later? This is phony. <laughs> I'm just phony. This isn't working. Right. Right. It really works. Yes. The teaching family model really works. It really is trusting this process. That's, yes. It's been Trust laid out process. for a long time. It's, it's worked for hundreds, thousands of people, and, and it works. And let me yeah. kind of add a little to that. Yeah. So in that three-week time period, I did praising hundreds of times. Okay. With just him. With just him. And I also tried to do it with the other kids. And it took three weeks for me to make that change. Mm -hmm. And there were times when I thought, well, this is way too much work. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this should, if I praise him 10 times, this, I should be done and he should be different now, right? <laughs> and, and Tom was the one who was saying, you know, in the teaching family model, you learn to work it, work the process, realize that what you're going to be doing may take several hundred times. Mm -hmm. This might take over the course of three weeks. It may take three months. Mm -hmm. It's a treatment interaction or modality that focuses on the long haul, mm -hmm. on, on doing things systematically, tenaciously over the long haul rather than expecting big changes. Right. Before I made this change with my own a attitude with Spencer, I was trying to figure out nuclear consequences. Yeah. I need a nuclear consequence, something so painful. He will never do that again. Right. Whoa. That is the worst thing in the world. Nuclear consequences only damage your relationship right. and do almost nothing else yeah. but damage relationships. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that at the time. 
So it's the small incremental consequences and small incremental praises. Right. Repeatedly over long periods of time. One of the most common components of parenting with a child who has challenges mm-hmm. is raw time. Yes. As a parent, you have to commit to the time. To the time. Yeah. This is going to take time, and I need to be tenacious and consistent and patient and patient and patient and patient. Right. And not expecting that I'm going to get a whole different kid in a week or even a whole different self in a week. For me, it took three weeks to make the beginning of that change. Yeah. That's a really important concept for a lot of parents. And especially now that we live in what they call a microwave society, we just get things so quickly. We expect change to happen pretty instantaneously. I mean, everything is instant. And it's not. If you want something to last and you want something that will continually grow you have to invest the time yeah. and and kids deserve it your kids deserve it so invest the time there, well it pays off for you as a parent it does pay off for you because later parent. in life your kids like you that's true <laughs> that's a big deal that is a big deal you know it's like know. oh well, yeah that's cool right you know if right. your kids want to do things with you they want to go on vacation they invite you to my sons do a brother's trip every year and we go off and go camping yeah and they invite me every year well, that's pretty dang cool. Well, because yes, yeah. they like that's you. Great. That's a- <laughs> And I don't think they just tolerate me. I think they think I'm fun to have there. Right. At right. least for an old guy. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. That, that is, there are so many good pieces in this podcast that I highly recommend you go back and listen to this podcast over because you'll learn something new as you listen that you can apply. So jump back and listen to this podcast again and again. You can find the skill of effective praise on the Smarter Parenting website and sign up for a free 15-minute coaching session. And that is so important. Yeah. In the same way Tom, Tom Waite yeah. sat down with me because I thought I knew how to parent. I was going to discipline my kids. And he had a whole different view. Right. And I could not see it. I was so thick and deep in the forest, I couldn't see it. And so... Call COP. Call me up. And I appreciate those who have called this last week has been kind of nuts with people who have listened to the podcast, found us that way, and then have called in for the 15-minute session. I love it. So it's That's been, what we want. We want yeah, to change lives. Absolutely. And, and we, want to, we want to know what's happening, and we want to help guide you along that process. Uh, yesterday, I did receive a, 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 a request for it, and they were shocked that it was me. <laughs> so if you if you are calling in, I will be the one to call you back. So call me because I am interested in what's happening. So you can sign up for that on the Smarter Parenting website. I am super grateful that Eric is here. Eric, actually, none of this would be here. This podcast, the Smarter Parenting website, the video skills, none of it would have even existed without Eric's passion for helping people around the world. And so... We owe him a debt of gratitude. We really do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Scope. Yeah, that's it from us, and I will see you again next week. Take care. Yep.